0: You sound great worshiping this morning, and as you're uh, being seated, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 22. Or if you have the church app, you can just uh, press the Bible there and it'll open up for you. Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. This will be the uh, last message in this series that I've been preaching on the words of Jesus and uh, looking at some of the significant things that uh, Jesus said in the Bible. And this morning I want to kind of focus on, uh, even though we're looking at 20 verses, I want us to capture the whole um, setting in that particular situation. But in the last couple of verses, verses 19 and 20, there's two words that I'm really focusing on that have two other words that kind of give us a little bit of understanding. But those two words that I mainly want you to focus on this morning is the words for you. For you. Have you ever had an unexpected situation to where maybe somebody's walking up to you and as they're walking towards you, maybe they're carrying a gift. And if you're like me, your mind automatically thinks, look, they got a gift and you're wondering, I wonder what that gift is, what's going on here? And then as they approach you and they walk up to you and they extend this gift up and you say something like, what's this or what's this for? And they say, for you. All of a sudden, your thoughts that's been on this person approaching you and the fact that they're carrying a gift suddenly takes on a new sense of excitement, doesn't it? You saw them coming. You saw they had a gift. But those two words that they spoke for you just suddenly sent an emotion down through you. And you're going, yes. Although some people you might be going, is this a trick? But usually that first emotion is, yes, a gift for me? For me? And you get pretty excited about that because someone has brought you a gift. And they say that it is for you. As we look in Luke chapter 22 today, we see that Jesus spoke those same words in that verse 19 and 20. Two different times, he says the words, for you. And when he says for you, he's talking about his life on this earth. And everything that he's done and leading up to the point of where he's about to be crucified on the cross, he's saying, it's for you. Now he's speaking to his disciples and he's letting them know that everything he's done and everything he's about to do is for you. But he's symbolizing it as he's observing the Lord's Supper. What we call the Lord's Supper now would have been the Passover Supper or what they sometimes call the Feast of Unleavened Bread because they ate bread that had no yeast in it. And so when Jesus says those words, for you, everything that he has taught those disciples, every miracle that they have seen performed, and everything that he has done in every aspect of his life has suddenly taken on a new meaning. Can you imagine as those disciples are there and they're looking in the eyes of Jesus and he takes some bread and he talks about his body being broken and he extends some of that bread out to them and he says, it's for you that sense of that emotion like when someone hands you a gift probably began to hit those disciples and then when he talked about the wine representing his blood and he said it's for you suddenly it begins to set in and take on a whole different meaning And so as we look at these words this morning in Luke chapter 22, where Jesus says, for you, I want us to get a little bit of the impact of what that really means. What is Jesus really saying when he says, everything that he has done and everything he's about to do is for you. To understand it, I think that we got to look at those two words and also a couple other words that were said with it. Jesus said, given for you. And that word in the Greek language is the word didymi, which means caused to happen. So when Jesus says that his body was given for them, he's saying everything that has been happening with me was caused to happen for you. He also made the statement about uh, his blood being shed. And that word shed in the Greek language is the word ekio, which means to be poured out. And then he used the word for... And they used the word hyper in the Greek language, which meant to the greatest extent or greatest degree. And then he said psi, which means you. So taking all that into consideration, what Jesus said when he spoke those words in verses 19 and 20, he was saying that everything relating to my life and all that's about to happen with my crucifixion, it was all caused to happen to the greatest degree for you. He wasn't just saying, I'm bringing you a little bit of something or I thought about you or had you on my mind today. But he's saying, going back in time and in history, everything leading up to this moment was created and caused and brought to happen just to the greatest point that it could be done just for you. Now, I don't know if it makes you feel that way, but it makes me think, man, I'm pretty special to the Lord. It should make you feel like you're pretty special to the Lord because he took everything in his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection all to the greatest extent just for you and for me. So as we look at that this morning, let's look at Luke chapter 22 and begin in verse 1 and see what all is happening then and what all is leading up to what the Lord is trying to tell us today. In Luke chapter 22, and I'm reading it out, the uh, New King James translation, it says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, which means kill Jesus. For they feared the people, which basically means they wanted to kill Jesus, but they couldn't just outright do it any which way they wanted to, because they was afraid the other people would turn on them. So verse 3 says, Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12, which means Judas was one of the 12 apostles. And it goes on to verse 4, it says, So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and the captains how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad, and they agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to, to, to betray Jesus to them in the absence of the multitude. So this is all being done kind of behind the scenes, away from everybody, so that nobody would know exactly what was going on. Verse 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. And then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large furnished upper room, there make ready. So they went and found it just as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he said... Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now look at verse 19 and 20 as we wind this down. He says, and he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, This is my body. He was telling them that this bread represented his body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, taking account of back to what I said about how that wording was put together in the original writing, basically Jesus said that all this was caused to happen to the greatest degree possible for you. I did the, I put this together, I planned it together. I am doing the ultimate sacrifice to the greatest degree that I can do because I am doing it for you because of how much I care about you and how much I love you. You know that when somebody comes up to you with a gift and they say, this is for you, and they hand it to you. They may not say a whole lot of other words, but the fact that they are giving you a gift automatically starts saying things to you, doesn't it? They, well, they care about me. They thought about me. Is, did I forget about my birthday? Or what is it that's going on? Your mind begins to kind of flood different things. And so as Jesus is talking to those disciples, he's saying, everything I've done, what I'm going through right now, and what I'm about to go through, it is all for you. Now, what is that saying to you and I today? I think, first of all, it's telling us this, that Jesus' sacrifice was ultimately planned and if you got your church app, you'll see there's a blank there. I want you to put the words, for me. Make it personal. Jesus' sacrifice was ultimately planned for you. That means that before, time, before you and I were even born... Going back in time, Jesus was making a plan, and that was to make a plan to rescue us from our sin and from the condition that we had got ourselves in. He was doing that, and the ultimate plan was just for you. Now, when you think about that, the Bible tells us that God the Father and Jesus the Son were in heaven together. And when we look at that, we've got to understand that Jesus didn't just leave heaven and come to earth just so he could take an adventurous trip to get away from home for a while. That wasn't what Jesus was doing. He didn't just come to the earth and just say, whoa, man, what's going on here? And he just looked at everybody's condition and think, oh, man, these folks need some help. This was all ultimately planned before he ever left heaven. So this wasn't just an adventurous trip, but it was something he came with a plan to fulfill to rescue you and I from our sinful condition. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where somebody found out that something was being planned just for them and see the impact it makes, but when you know that you're the center of every thought of something that's being planned out, man, it really makes you feel special, and that's the way I think each one of us should be today. As a matter of fact, I was thinking of a person I know real well that had a family member, and it was uh, their 50th birthday was coming up, and they had had some kind of challenging situations in their life, and so they decided that on their 50th birthday, they were going to plan something really special just for them. They contacted a lot of their friends from school and people that they had not seen in a while and people they knew that had been close to them, contacted all these people and told them that we're going to do a surprise and it's for their 50th birthday, got everything together, got everybody to come to a certain location, had a special meal for them, everything, and then had the person who was their 50th birthday to come over not knowing about all this. And when they came over, they got the shock of, here's people I haven't seen in a long time, and here's people that, man, I, I really like this person. And they started getting to interact with everybody, and then when it was all said and done, The summation of their thoughts and their actions was, this was all planned for me? (laughs) For me? It kind of blowed them away, caught them off guard, because they realized this wasn't an accident. It wasn't something that was just kind of thrown together. But for some time, with them at the center of their thoughts, all this had been planned for this one special day this one special moment. And man had grabbed their heart like we had not seen before. Saw expressions and things that they had said that they had not done before because they thought this was all ultimately planned just for me. Well that's basically the wording that Jesus said that this is all planned ultimately for you. And so you can plug your name in when you think about this that Jesus' sacrifice was ultimately planned for you. Wasn't an accident. Wasn't something that just haphazardly happened. Wasn't a last moment thing. But it was one of those things that put all the thought, all the detail, and at the center of that is what is best for you. Don't you love it when somebody just kind of plans everything around you? And you're the center of the thoughts, you're the center of the attraction, and everything that's decided is just based on your likes and what it'd be very special for you. Well, that's what the Bible is telling us when Jesus said, This was given for you, it was caused to happen just for you. So Jesus' sacrifice was ultimately planned for you. If you got your church app, I want you to look at the next thing it says there, and it says that Jesus' sacrifice was totally endured. And then you can put those same words for me to make it personal. Jesus' sacrifice was totally endured for you. If you think about uh, the story of Jesus and when he was nailed to the cross, the Bible tells us that they beat him with a cat of nine tails to the point of many people would have died at that point. But he's still surviving. He has to carry his cross to a place called Golgotha. And there at the hill of Golgotha, they nail him to the cross they put him up into the ground into a socket. And they say that the, just the impact of that cross going into the socket would dislocate many of the joints of the person's body. And then while they're there with those joints dislocated, with all the torment and pain that they've been going through, just to be able to get a breath, they've got to draw all the strength that they've got to pull themselves up to get a breath. And they say that eventually that person would suffocate because they could not withstand the pain and the torment that they were going through. And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus totally endured all of that for you, for me. Now, to understand that, we, you know, I don't know if there's any people in here that like to, uh, you know, men are more like this than women are. But sometimes us men like to show how much pain we can endure. How tough we can be? Danny says, not me. <laughs> You're too old to try to get in that category, right? But sometimes uh, men will do that. They, they want to show, hey, I, I'm tough. I can tolerate pain. But Jesus' whole purpose on that cross was not to endure that pain, to intolerate it, to show how tough he could be or how much pain tolerance that he had. He didn't all do it all that, but he came to that point of enduring all that on the cross so that he could shed His blood for you and I, because the Bible tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus knew that ultimately he had to totally endure that crucifixion on the cross if he was going to bring satisfaction to God for the forgiveness of my sins and your sins. And so Jesus' sacrifice was totally endured. For me and for you. He did that because of his great love for us. Now, when I look at that, you know, when you think about somebody doing something that they've planned everything around you, that makes something special, doesn't it? But when you know that somebody has sacrificed something for you, they have given up of themselves, Maybe they've lost something or given something away or maybe they've gone through some type of difficult situation and they did it because they love you. Man, that elevates it to a whole different level, doesn't it? And that's basically what Jesus was saying when he spoke these words to his disciples. And that was, I totally endure this because of how much I love and care about you. And as I said, it's one thing to get a gift where somebody has made some efforts to give you something. It's another level to say that they've planned it all around you. But to then to know that a person actually gave up something, that they sacrificed something, that they had to endure some type of hardship because they care about you that much and they love you that much, that just elevates it to a higher level. And the words that Jesus spoke was that his sacrifice was totally endured for you and for me. That's how much he loves us that's how much he cares about us. And then we come to, you know, if you were to read the story about the crucifixion of Jesus, it tells us that his last words on the cross is it is finished. I spoke about that on Easter. And when he was saying that it is finished, he was saying it's paid in full, it's fully accomplished. And if you got your church app, you'll see that there's a third thing that says about Jesus' sacrifice. And that is that Jesus' sacrifice was fully accomplished. And then put those two words again. Make it personal for me. Jesus' sacrifice was fully accomplished for me. You see, we can look at it and say, all right, Jesus has been nailed through his wrists on both arms as he's been stretched across the cross. His feet have been nailed he is there suspended with no ability to escape from that cross. And we can look at that and say, well, he had no other option. He had to stay on the cross. But the Bible tells us that Jesus could have called angels to come and rescue him at any time that he wanted to. So when Jesus was there on the cross, it wasn't those nails that held him there, it wasn't the circumstances that had been put around that to hold him to that cross. But when Jesus was there on that cross, he stayed there till he said the words, it is finished, because he did it for you, for me. He did it for us. You see, Jesus could have escaped that pain. He could have escaped that cross. He could have come down any time that he wanted to. But he's thinking about, I cannot come down till the mission's accomplished, till I've done everything that's necessary. Till this plan that has been planned long ago for every single person that I love and I care about, for every single person that I want to have a better life, I'm not coming down until it is finished. Till it's paid in full. And have you ever wondered about what all Jesus was on his mind? You probably have heard the song and the words that say that while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And have you ever thought about maybe what all was Jesus thinking about? Was he thinking about all the sins that those had been before him had committed and that they would have no opportunity for heaven unless he stayed on that cross till it was finished? Maybe he was thinking about all those who were standing around the cross and they had screamed out, crucify him. And he knew that there'd be no hope for any of them till it was finished. Till it's fully accomplished. Or maybe Jesus' mind even was thinking into the future. Think about your name right now. Maybe he was thinking about your name and your life. And he was thinking, they will have no hope for heaven. They'll have no hope for eternity. If I don't stay on this cross till it is finished. Till it is fully accomplished. And, you know, we don't know what all was on Jesus' mind, but uh, I have to just wonder that not only was he thinking about the reality that the only hope that we have for heaven and the only hope of salvation that we had would be for him to stay on that cross till it was full, full, fully accomplished and fully finished. But, you know, when Jesus was walking on this earth, he said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. If you listen, listening, say Amen. All right, that was two-thirds of you. The other third, you were thinking, what did they say amen for? So if you're listening, say amen. amen. All right, we got all of you now. When Jesus said, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly, I believe that he not only was talking about that we would have an abundant life in heaven if we accepted his gift of salvation, but I believe as I've looked through all the scriptures that Jesus wants us to have an abundant life A full life. Matter of fact, that word abundant means to the full. I believe that he wanted us, he was saying that he wanted us to have a full good life even while we're here on this earth. You see, I don't believe that the Lord has a plan of, okay, here's where you are and here at the end sometime later, okay, I want that to be good for you. And you just deal with all this other stuff however you want to deal with it and it's going to turn out somehow. But if you accept me in the end, it's going to be good. Now, he makes that clear it is going to be good. But I believe that when the Lord said, I came that you might have life and have it to the abundant or to the full, I believe the Lord was saying, I want you to have a good life now. And so I just want you to think for just a moment. Could it not only be possible that, and we don't know exactly what He had on his mind, right? Could it be possible, though, that when he was on the cross, that he not only was thinking about our acceptance of him and the gift of salvation, But could it be also possible that when he was on the cross, he was thinking about the full life that we could have even while we're living on this earth? If he just stayed on the cross and gave that abundant life opportunity for you and I. You see, as I've been a pastor and as a Christian for many years, I've been with a lot of people walking through a lot of things. been walking with some people in the last few weeks, some difficult challenges they're going through, some struggles in their life, life and death, healing and unhealing, all different aspects. And as we're walking through that, sometimes your mind can just think, is is this the best that life has to offer? But you know, everything that we go through doesn't lie. just continue to last. It has a season, and then this too shall pass. And I've seen people that have been going through difficult challenges in their life and say these words, man, I don't know how somebody does this without the Lord. I I would have gone crazy if I hadn't had the Lord on my side. I would have just, I would have fell apart if I had not had the Lord to give me strength in the midst of this. And you know why those thoughts come? Because we know he did it for me and you. I've had people that have faced death and their hearts have been wrung out but then they make it through it and they think, you know, I could have never survived that if I hadn't had the Lord to help me through that. I've had people that have had things that have happened in their marriages or in their families that have just kind of just torn things apart. And for most people, it seems like there's no hope there. But they keep hanging on knowing that with God, there is always hope. There's that abundant full life that can come. And then see some marriages healed, some families restored, and then hear the testimony. I knew the Lord was going to do something. You see, it all goes back to the Lord, doesn't it? And the fact that he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What is he saying? I came so that you can have good life? Or is he saying, just like he did here to those disciples, the plan has always been with you on my mind so that I might come and that you might have forgiveness of your sins, but also that you might have a full life. And he did it all for you and for me. I wanna ask you for a moment just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't know what all you may be going through in your life right now, what challenges you may be facing, what struggles you may be facing, but I can tell you this, that The Lord wants you to have an abundant life, a full life. And so if you're going through some challenges, some struggles, some some uncertainties in your life right now, I want you to know that when Jesus died on that cross and he had told those disciples before he ever went, it's for you. It's for you. The whole plan has always been for you to have an abundant full life, to have the gift and the opportunity of salvation. So first and foremost this morning, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if maybe you have never received this gift of salvation that God has to offer for you, that Jesus died for your sins so that you could have forgiveness of your sins, if you've never accepted the gift of salvation, or maybe you're uncertain of your salvation this morning, but God is speaking to your heart this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to pray right where you're at, right where you're sitting this morning, to just say a prayer silently in your heart, something like this. You can just repeat it in your heart after me. Dear Lord... I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I'm thinking about this message. It was for me. You died for me that I might have forgiveness of my sins. You endured that cross so that I might have a life and life more abundantly for me. So, Lord, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I accept your free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer of salvation with me, you made the most important decision of your life, the greatest decision of your life. And I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning and you really mean it, would you just slip up your hand just for a moment just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus in my heart this morning. Yes. Are there others? You prayed that prayer and you invited Jesus in your heart this morning. You really meant it. And I want you to know that the Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner, one person who prays that prayer of salvation. And I guarantee you that not only does heaven rejoice, but we rejoice. Rejoice over those who have made that decision this morning. In just a few moments, we're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to be standing up front. And if you prayed that prayer of salvation this morning, I want to invite you to come and take my hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer this morning, and I really meant it. And I just want to say a prayer with you and give you something that will help you in your Christian walk. But maybe you're a Christian today. Maybe you already knew that you were saved. But you needed a little reminder this morning that Jesus went through a lot for you. He did it just for you. Maybe you haven't been doing what you should be doing for Him. You need to make some changes in your life. And you want me to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm a Christian, but I need to make some changes. He went through a lot for me and i need to go through some things for him yes thank you thank you thank you heavenly father lord i want to lift up to you those who are christians that raised their hand and said pastor jesus did all that for me and i haven't been doing for him what i should be doing for him so lord i'm asking you to honor the fact that they raised their hand to acknowledge that and lord i pray that you'll hear my prayer for them as they're praying for themselves. Lord, that you'd forgive them of that failure, and Lord, that you would just renew their strength and renew their passion to serve you with all their heart. Lord, I just want everyone in here this morning to know it was for you. You didn't leave all the riches of heaven and all the great blessings of heaven to come and endure a cross just because you wanted to endure some pain. You did it because of us. You didn't walk on this earth and teach from one place to another walking from one city to another just to get some exercise you did it because of us everything that we read in the Bible that you did you did it for us it was all for us what a gift and so Lord I pray God that we would just receive that fully today we would recognize it and God that we would just spur our own lives on to do greater things for you so Lord as we come to this invitation God, for someone that needs to make a decision or acknowledgement that they accepted you as their Savior, I pray that they'll come forward this morning and do that. Lord, if someone feels like they need to follow you in baptism, I pray that they'll do that. If they feel like that you're leading them to be a part of our church family to join from another church, we, we pray that they'll do that. Lord, we're just praying, God, that everyone will be obedient to you in this invitation, that they respond to you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.